Good morning, I'm Ashley. I am Ilya. And together we are Portugal. Cool. And we're very excited today, aren't we, Helene? Yes, we are very excited. And why are we excited? Because we have a very special guest today. We have the fabulous, gorgeous, lovely Natalia Gray with us. And Yay! Welcome! Yay! Thank you so much. Good morning and thank you for that introduction. That was fabulous. Well, before we talk to you, Natalia, I've got a little problem. Because a few weeks ago we did a <laughs> podcast and everyone's laughing now. But we were talking about the royal family and the, the 20 minute king. And unfortunately, we thought it was quite amusing that there was a king for 20 minutes. We didn't check our facts, historians out there. We're very bad, naughty people with history. Yes, so yes. I'm just going to apologize. He was only king for 20 minutes because his father and himself, along with the mother, the queen and his younger brother, were in a horse-drawn carriage somewhere in Lisbon. And I'm afraid his father got assassinated and then he got shot and he was dying and it took 20 minutes and so he was only king basically for 20 minutes and then he died. Yeah. So we feel really bad about that. So we feel so bad for that because we, we make a couple of jokes. Yeah, we didn't mean to we offend anybody. Well, yeah. no. And so it's a very sad situation. So we'd like to sincerely apologise to all the historians out there and any... Don't that. do this again, I won't, We'll make sure we check <laughs> our facts. I really apologise. Sorry. Yes. Anyway. So back to Natalia Gray. I'd like to hear all about your um, things you've been up to. And Helene's got a few questions already in mind, haven't you, darling? Yes, I have. But uh, first, I want to ask you, how comes that you are in Portugal? Well, for me, with the, the move to Portugal, it actually ended up being one of those um, fantastic accidents almost. Um, so when I was young, we moved around a lot as a family um, and we ended up settling in the UK. So I spent my teen years in the UK, did my school there, but never really felt a huge connection to that as a place. Um, and then just because of work, of all the places in the world that they decided to open a new uh, headquarters, it was Portugal. And so they just said to me one day, almost a half as a joke, well, if you, if you ever want to move to Portugal, you can move to Portugal. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I put my dogs in the oh. car and I drove to Portugal and I found a place to rent and I just absolutely fell in love with and it. And may I ask, how old was you then? I was 20. Oh my God. And how long have you been here, Natalia? <laughs> I've been here for three years. So that makes her 23, everybody. <laughs> She's very fabulous and gorgeous and wonderful and very full of uh, ex excitement. So Thank you lovely. so much, Ashley. I really so appreciate that. Then we're going to talk about your project later, but a little bit more about why you were here and how you got here. Well, I, I want to say something first, because if you can hear dog bark, or, uh, we're outside. We are sitting outside in the lovely Nassaré. <laughs> yeah, in the gorgeous temperatures ranging today from 22 to 24, everybody. And it's November. How amazing is yeah, that? Yeah, that is really amazing. So, enough of that. Tell me, from the beginning, you came here and you started to work. Yeah, so I came here, got my place. I didn't speak the language. I knew nobody except for my uncle who worked full time and was very busy raising his family. And so I thought, my goodness, what am I going to do with myself? I can't just work. So I started um, speaking to people who worked in the same office as me about other things that I could get involved in um, that would be something that I could contribute as well to the local community because I'm very aware of the fact that I'm not Portuguese, my family aren't Portuguese, and I'm getting so much out of living here. And a lady um, who was working in the office at the time said, well, I adopted a dog not that long ago. And I said, oh, well, I actually have always loved working with animals and loved volunteering at shelters, so maybe you could give me the name of it. And uh, so I, I toodled down there one day to the shelter and knocked on the door and I basically just fell in love with it. In, in what town was this? This is in, in Caldas Terena. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so um, I was just really astounded by how many people were willing to sacrifice their time to help this issue. 
Um, I loved the dogs, I loved the environment, I just loved everything about it and it just became my absolute number one passion. I was going almost every day to volunteer and uh, I met so many fabulous people through it that um, it just basically became my life and has and, been and then, since. And then I knew also that you also engaged in another shelter in another town as well. Yes, so um, after I'd been volunteering there for a while, a, a good friend of mine said, I've actually been helping out part-time at a shelter that's a couple of towns over. Um, in Bomberau, uh, maybe you'd like to come with me and help because they don't have as many volunteers there. And uh, so I was like, sure, and we got in the car and we went down and um, it was a shelter that had a lot of people who had really big hearts and really, really wanted to take the best care of the animals they could. But there were, there was definitely room for improvement at the shelter, um, physically and with the animals and with a number of adoptions. And so um, as more and more volunteers came and started participating, we were really able to improve the conditions, um, increase adoptions, especially international adoptions, um, because there were a lot of um, migrant people who were helping. Um, and so, yeah, ever, basically ever since then, the shelter has just really, really improved leaps and bounds. And it's and the bounds. one we've been working with, isn't it, Ellen? Yeah, it is. You can yeah. tell me a little bit more about that. Well, we've been, last year we did a, a fundraising to raise money to do an outside space, an outside space, and um, we were successful in building that earlier this year yeah. and in the middle of the pandemic which was wonderful and I think it's made a huge difference and you've been going more than we've been going we've, every time we visited this year there's been amazing to see the dogs playing everything looks super clean organized and we're still doing and um, we're still doing a project yeah, with we're them. raising money to to paint the floors as you know but not the paint, the floor. The floor paint! The floor paint, sorry everybody. <laughs> the wonderful, amazing floor paint that Helene wants to dive into and swim. Yes. But we've only been a few times, so obviously we've not been as often as you. So I'd like to know how the um, outside space has impacted on the day-to-day -day care and everything. Well, I would actually love to talk about this um, because I actually can't explain how much of a difference it has made for the dogs and for the volunteers. It has actually transformed the entire kennel. Um, it used to be, for me, one of the difficult things about being there was the fact that the dogs didn't really have anywhere to go to enjoy themselves, to get a break from their kennel, mm -hmm. to, to just have a little bit of time in a different environment. And just to play. Yeah, to play and to socialise with the other dogs. Um, so it made adoptions harder, it made it more difficult, uh, you know, to really understand the characteristics of the dogs. Because you couldn't tell which ones were aggressive, which ones are super cute, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And, and also it helps us with the ability to do some basic training because we actually have a space for it now. but. If I talk about it too much, I actually might get quite emotional just because of how, how big of a change it's been there. Because we talked about this the other day and we both got quite emotional. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was a huge thing yeah. for us to raise the money. We did several, we did two events. Then, of course, the pandemic come and everything's mm -hmm. changed. But we need, we need to explain this, that it, it is a, uh, a shelter that uh, needs still improvements. Yes, definitely. But uh, you can't say anything bad about the volunteers. No, absolutely no. amazing. Because the... the truth is it's not enough of volunteers so therefore many dogs didn't go for a dog walk yes they were just sitting there and that was for me um, the hardest thing to to know but to hear yeah. what natalia is saying about the outside space yeah. that was our dream wasn't it so they could play have fun socialize get some steam out of their system yeah. running around rather than having 24 hours more or less inside a cage. Yeah, pretty much. And I think one, one of the ones for me that was the most emotional was there is a, a, just an absolutely lovely dog called Julie there. And she unfortunately is quite traumatized. And so she, it tends to be one of the dogs that she sits in the back of her house, face to the back, 
and covers her face and you pretty much never interacted with her, never saw her. A bit like Mouse at the beginning of Dog. Absolutely, exactly like that. And I remember the day that I went there and we put her in the outside area and she was running and jumping and playing with the other dogs and it, just, it was just incredible to see that something as simple as just having a bit of space outside to enjoy yeah. the fresh air gave her this moment of, of just freedom and, and joy. So and yeah, also they've it's added been to the wonderful space because they've, people have added little hurdles for them to jump over, yeah. a little thing to run through like a little tunnel with fabric and they've got lots of things to jump around, play, tug and yeah. So just having that space has just been amazing. Yeah, so definitely. thank you everyone that supported us in that cause. Yeah, and, and now please help us with to... With the floor uh, pay, the floor the pay. The floor pay. Now we will take a short break. We will. I just one thing for the short break. Yeah. We were going to do the guttering, but due to building problems, it's not possible to do the guttering. So we're just going to do the floor paint and support them in any other way we can. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. We're going much. to go for a break now. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> again i'm ashley i'm Aaliyah. and together we are portugal, portugal plus one natalia grace here <laughs> yes. still she didn't run away and get frightened with all the questions that were coming at her so natalia i'd like to know if you've got any of your own dreams and expectations of living here what you want to do in the future well i absolutely do i mean as i was saying i think it's a really really important thing especially for me as somebody who um, wasn't born in portugal to try my best to help to contribute um, to the local community in any way that I can. Um, so one of the things that I've realized from working at multiple shelters now is the fact that there just simply is not enough support um, and there's just not enough space for all of the dogs that need help. Um, and, and there are a lot of dogs that need help, aren't there? There are. I would say, from from my experience, and this is a rough estimate, that for every dog we take in, there's probably three more yeah. that yeah. there's no space when for. When you drive around, you often see dogs running. Oh, the bells! I'll have lovely. <laughs> Sorry, Natalia. No! We're, we're on a rooftop, high on a rooftop. There's no goats anywhere, but there is a lovely church in the distance. There might be some goats, but we heard the bells ringing. Anyway, Natalia, back to your <laughs> dream. We digress. Sorry. No, no problem at all. So, um... I have a huge passion for helping the animals, both the dogs and the cats. And so um, I started thinking about ways that I would be able to contribute in the most effective way. And so I decided that I would like to do a project of my own in collaboration with the shelters that I currently work and with. And how did that plan formulate in your head? What, how did you suddenly wake up in bed one morning and say, Eureka! Or did it slowly happen over time? Or did you get anxiety around it? Or was it something so definite and concrete from the minute you decided it? Well, I think this is there, something, <laughs> no, no problem at all. I think, um, that in, I, in all honesty, I think this idea had been in the back of my mind, stewing and brewing for quite a long time. Um, but I, I don't think I, I was at a point where I had the, the knowledge of the shelter systems, uh, the network of people that I would have needed, or the time for it. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess really as well, some anxiety and fear that I might fail. Yeah. And it's such a big thing when you take on the responsibility of other animals and creatures' lives and other people's time and energy and donations that you really have to commit yourself to doing a good job with it. And also, you're in another country and the language is often a hurdle Absolutely. for some people that are migrants like ourselves. I'm learning the language. I know you're try doing your best with the language. Yeah, absolutely. So those things are always going to cause anxiety, aren't they? Yeah, but then I just realised, for me, the 
the idea really concreted earlier this year. It was my birthday, it was the pandemic, we were in lockdown, and I just realized to myself that I had this period of time now where I've not got anything committally because I'm locked down, I'm in my house, I can't leave, and I just decided that if I didn't do it now, then maybe I'd never do it. So I really had to make that jump and make that leap. And I just started tentatively talking to a few people and everybody was so supportive, especially my family, that I just knew that this was the right moment to do okay. it. Yeah. So this was your moment, as the song says. Yeah. This is my moment. <laughs> but, but I understand that your family were engaged in other charity um, organisations in other countries. Yes, absolutely. So really, I grew up in, in this sort of animal volunteer world and it mostly comes from my father's mum, my gran, um, who's a woman that I just absolutely adored and we were like two peas in a pod, for better or for worse. Um, yeah. And she always had foster dogs, always volunteered at shelters and I mean even little things like when my father tells us stories about when he was young, you know, some people get their pocket money if they wash the dishes. My dad got his pocket money if he helped with the dogs or he went to volunteer at the shelter. If he cleared up poo. Yeah, yeah. if he cleared up poo <laughs> in a bucket. <laughs> I like the sound of your grand. Yeah, sounds bad. my grand was a fierce woman. I really admired her a lot. She had a lot of passion. And um, one of the things that I really admired about her as well was that um, in that period of time that she was raising her children in that part of the UK, it wasn't necessarily popular or, or trendy or fashionable to be helping the, the animal community. But she did it anyway because she just knew within herself that it was the right thing to do. Um, and that really from her just kind of was passed down from generation to generation, and now pretty much everyone in my family. Um, it's part of your being, isn't it? Yeah. And your mother as well. Is, you know, she's um, American, if you don't. Is, yeah, no, is no problem. Correct? I'm right, yeah. Yeah, my mum's right. Did American. my research this time. Well, wasn't it also <laughs> something uh, about uh, involvement in a food bank or something? Yeah, so we, we've, um, we've been very lucky just in the fact that we've been born into an environment that has given us the opportunities to help other people as well. So, yeah, my mother and my father, when my... Uh, once my mum uh, had children that were old enough to basically function themselves, she decided that she needed to do something to give back. And so they got involved in a food bank in the UK. And basically the way it would work is they would take the um, food from the shops that they couldn't sell, but yeah. that was still perfectly edible. Um, and they would gather those and then they would distribute them to underprivileged families, homeless shelters, whatever it might be. Um, and so that again was really quite inspirational to me that after effectively you know 23 years of raising children my mum decided that the thing she wanted to do with that freedom was again to give back so amazing it is so a round of applause for natalia's mummy and daddy thanks mum we haven't met them yet but i'm looking forward to meeting your mother and your father yeah they're I fabulous. she likes to go running yes so maybe, she does maybe we could have a runoff because i like to run <laughs> yeah. We could do I'll a, watch. We'll, I'll do, we'll I'll do, do a runoff with your mum. So, and what's can we ask your mum's name? Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. My mum's name is Audrey. I love that name. She's, She's an Audrey Hepburn. But also, a, a very important name is your grandma's name. Because yeah. Yes. So my mother's, uh, my grandmother's name is Maureen Gray, and so I decided that I wanted to name the project after her in her honour because she passed away a few years ago. So the project is called the Maureen Gray Foundation. Oh, that's um, a nice honour, isn't it, for your grandma? Thank you. Yeah, I just it just felt right to uh, to pay homage in some way to the woman that gave us the the moral tools to yeah. to, to do a project and now like this. You're going to use that to, and her name will be going forward with next generations, and it'll be like a, a launching of a new beginning for everybody. Absolutely, I hope that this project can grow into something that lots of people are involved in, and uh, it can be a really community based project. So and. 
just now we know the name of the foundation. Now mm-hmm. we perhaps know that it's going to st- hopefully be up and viable by the middle of next year. Yeah. Because uh, you found some land, apparently. And we yes. will talk more about that. We will. We so we're going to have a are... wee break and then we'll come back. So ciao. Ciao. Ashley. I'm Elian. And I'm Natalia. Well, here we are with Natalia on the sofa. It's lovely to be outside today on this lovely, glorious day. Yes, um, So we've got a, a, um, a kind of an idea of where it's all come from, your dream. I just want to know a little bit more about the logistics, where, where you are up to now, where, how things are... No, how, pro- how did it start? Yeah, how, that's what I'm going to say. How did it start and progress? <laughs> I was getting to that one. She's very impatient. <laughs> I might have to come in. She's a bit like a squirmish. All that's missing is a piece of chalk and a blackboard. And then she's good to go, I say. Yes, obviously, Helene made a good point. So how did it all start? So a little bit about that and talk a bit more about your land and all that malarkey. Okay, totally. So the first thing I did was I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need a fantastic team that I can trust. So I started talking to people that I thought might would like to be um, on the board, who might like to volunteer. And then once I got a really firm team of people that I trusted and knew would be dedicated and do a good job, we started to look at what setting up entailed. So we knew that we needed a plot of land. We needed somebody who could build the facility to the to the best possible standards. Um, we also knew we were going to need a, a website. Um, and so that, that was really where we started. So I contacted some absolutely lovely friends of mine in Lisbon who run a design agency. And I got them going on the website. We wanted something that was... Um, not just a, a portal for people to be able to adopt our dogs, but was also going to be a resource for people who maybe have dogs that are slightly challenging, um, who maybe need extra tips on training, who just maybe aren't particularly educated on on how to best take care of their animals. So that was one of the first things we did. Like a bit of a schooling. Yeah, exactly. Nice. That's a good idea. Yeah, a one-stop shop for people that just want to educate themselves further on how to be better owners. Um, And then the next thing we did was looking at the physical build. So for me, one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted this to be a a, a shelter that catered for all different scenarios of animals that we might get. So there is quite a lot of those in Portugal, isn't there? Yeah, there can be a really wide variety. Precisely. Yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to do was I wanted to make sure that we had, uh, in addition to um, normal kennels, I also wanted to create an area that was going to be um, an inside space for puppies, because this is one of the big issues that we have here, is that when puppies are found, um, it's not really necessarily a good environment to be putting them into the, the general kennels. No. Uh, no. Disease. Precisely. Um, they've had their inoculations or vaccinations. They're too young, aren't they? Exactly. So we're going to have almost a little bit like a clean room. Like a baby yeah. crash. Yeah, a baby crash oh, for puppies. Baby crash. Oh, yeah. oh, we're going to have to clap. Baby crash, <laughs> But we're not going to call it a baby crash. It's going to be a puppy crash. Yay. Puppy crash. A puppy crash. <laughs> absolutely. That's exciting. Yeah. Can I come and look at them all? I can't wait. Oh, my goodness. You absolutely have to come and look at Sorry, them. Sorry, I've interrupted her. She's on, a, she's on a roll, everybody. No, no problem I'd love you to come and visit I hope everybody wants to come and visit um, and then also one of the other things um, is we also are going to do an area that is for dogs that are per se slightly more difficult 
um, to rehome and that might be perhaps they have an illness or perhaps they're very elderly and we will make that area somewhere that even if they spend the rest of their life there it's a happy positive warm environment so for example it'll have underfloor heating and it'll be like toasty like yeah so yeah. They'll, they'll be set up more like a, a home style environment nice. very soft comfortable etc etc um and then yeah and then we'll also have of course the the main area which will be for uh, uh dogs that are really ready to go into a home um and yeah i'm just really really excited about it because i think it'll be more multifaceted um, than some of the other shelters. I have another question. So you're going to have all these different areas mm -hmm. and play areas under floor heating. You need to speak a little bit louder, please. Am I not speaking louder? Sorry. No. Under floor <laughs> heating and all that malarkey. So when you're doing that, are you going to have um, people coming in to do um, away days and like playing with the puppies, taking them up for walks and yeah. sort of that, that sort of thing? Absolutely. So one of the things that I really think would be fantastic to help the overall um, life for dogs in Portugal would be to really involve the local communities um, in the shelter so that they can really understand the value of these animals, they can begin to participate them and develop personal bonds. So we will have people, if anybody wants to come, it doesn't have to be just cleaning, you know, no. cleaning poo and shoveling. It can also be coming to socialise puppies, coming to spend time with the animals. Um, yeah. I, I was just thinking, I'm not sure you mentioned this before we had this opportunity to talk to you, something about um, education at a younger age so perhaps mm -hmm. introducing yourself to the headmistress of a school yep. and say you're having a, a, a doggy day for the children to come and see is that something you've thought about am I wrong in that or no that you're totally I, right yeah I thought that was something yeah I think it's really important that children from a young age like I said begin to develop those personal relationships with animals so that they understand firstly um, how conscious they are, how, mm. how, how emotionate they are, and also just how important they are to, to human life as well, those bonds that we have. I mean, what else is there other than bonds with other creatures, you know? Precisely. So I think from a young age, you get them in there, you get them interacting, and it just becomes a part of who they are. And it will change perceptions yeah. throughout the different new generations that are coming through in Portugal. And that's something that you talk to me about making a, a commitment to that. So that's a good thing, isn't it? Definitely. And, and tell me a little bit more about the land. <coughs> um, I, you told me before it's quite close to where you live. Yes, absolutely. So. Um, but no address given, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But she makes wonderful cupcakes. And she's not <laughs> far from where I live. And I'm not saying where I live, but she dropped past the other day with some on a plate. They were delicious. And my favourite ones are the rainbow gay ones. I love them. <laughs> and I also make cupcakes for dogs as well. Yeah. So everybody well, the, gets cupcakes. The, the cakes aren't gay, but they're the gay, you know, the rainbow flag, which obviously gay people celebrate all around the world. So it's lovely. I think when you give a gift, it's nice for it to be personalised, right? So thank you, Natalia, for that. Anyway, I interrupted no, again. No Sorry. problem at all. No so problem. how big is the land? So the land is a few acres, uh, four and a half. Um, which I think is a sufficient space for what we want to do. Yeah. Um, and one of the best things is that it's very near my house. So it's within walking distance and it's really a few minutes by drive, it, an easy cycle. And so this will just allow me the additional um, partly peace of mind that if I ever needed to get there, that I could get there quickly. And just also ease of being able to visit very frequently and still get home for lunch. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be a really nice space. Um, I, I went and looked at a lot of plots, so I'm feeling really comfortable and confident that I found one of the and best. And is the land, because a lot of land, particularly where we both mm -hmm. inhabit, where in the area we live, it's quite hilly, like most of Portugal. Have you got a good 
a place where it's kind of flat, a little bit of a hill, or, or a mixture, or what have you got going on? Well, that's a really great question because a lot of the plots I looked at were practically vertical. Which I know. It's not practical. It's not practical. I, 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 I was looking for a, a small plot for my doggies to train them, and uh, the real estate agencies, they didn't understand what I mean because I went to see so many land, they're going uphills like 15% up yeah. or something. Crazy. And I, I told them, how can I train agility here? Well, you can... Uh, you can make a small plot here. Well, I need more than five square meters. Yes. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose you could roll the ball and watch your dog run down the hill. Yeah. <laughs> and sit at the go, top of the go. sit at the top of the glass of vino branco or vino yeah. tinto, enjoying the view. Say, come, doggy, come. Mummy's here. But that's not it's fair on the dog. with the children. If you have small children, well, yeah, that's yeah. true. Just throw uh, a, a toy or something. Now, Helene's off on a tangent. Now, I don't think that's been a safe mother. I wonder how her children thought about that. Helene, off you go. Is that what you do with your children? <laughs> Oh, having a vino tinto now. Yeah, it's fine time. Some of the training techniques of Elaine's um, motherhood are coming yeah. out now. Yeah. Anyway, we, we are having a bit of fun here, which is always good because that's the whole idea. You know, mix it all up, as Julia Andrews would say in The Sound of Ooh, Music. good quote. I yeah. like that. But, but uh, uh, your plot is more flat? Yeah, so um, there is a there is a part of it that does have a, uh, an incline. I think in Portugal it's just very it's, difficult to get anything fully one. flat, so yeah. you make the best of what you have. But it has got more than sufficient space that is flat enough to build and we've run it by the um, construction company that we've been involved in um, to do this who have helped us do the plan and to have all of the best state-of-the-art equipment for dog shelters. Will will it stop with dogs or will you also help uh, cats or uh, other animals? Yes so definitely going to help cats Um, and I actually think that the um, meow meow (laughs) I love cats as well I really do. She has how many cats do you have? I have, well, I have three and a foster cat, so four in total. And how many dogs do you have? I have, well, I have eight technically, but one of them at the moment is at the vets. So. so busy woman. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of animal cuddling to go around. It's yeah. great. I love it. So tell me a bit more about that. We interrupted. So what other animals? Cats, definitely. Yeah. So cats, definitely. But I actually think that the, um, the cat part of it, I'm going to build on my own land um, just because of Security, maybe. security, and trying not to stress them yeah. as and much with the, the dog, dog noise. Yeah, precisely, yeah. yeah, it can That's be a bit stress-inducing yeah. for them. And I had an idea, and, and it, correct me if I'm wrong. I vaguely remember you saying potentially possible, maybe it could be a little hotel go alongside it at yeah. the dog's shelter to raise some extra money. Well, definitely. What I tried to do when I decided to start this project was that I reached out to as many people as I could, and that included the people whom. Uh, I work with at the other shelters and the presidents of those shelters. And one of the really fantastic ideas that came up was the idea of uh, having a relatively low-cost dog hotel for people who live here and are going on holiday or just for whatever reason they might need to put their dog somewhere. And it would be an additional stream of revenue for the mm. shelter. And so that all of that money would go straight back into feeding the dogs, medical care, Etc. That, et that is really an amazing yeah. idea. If it if it's secure enough, I would be the first one and, to. And uh, so yeah, and precisely. I mean, we know Natalia really well, so there's not many people I would trust my dogs with. No, and but for example, I have three dogs. Thank you. So I would trust Natalia with my doggies. That means yeah, a lot. Good. I really appreciate. That. I have three dogs, and uh, when we went uh, for a, a cruise in uh, northern Norway, uh, and was it cold? Yeah, it was cold. <laughs> so it, it, it the the dogs costs 
were the same as the Proust wow. costs. Wow. Yeah, in Sweden. Did you manage to find any alcohol to drink? You can never know money. She likes a bit of lemoncello. She often makes it. How did you cope, Helene, with all yeah, that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, but it's quite expensive in Sweden. So when we are in Portugal, we and it's very hard to book a hotel room with three dogs. It is. Mm-hmm. Or often that. they have maximum for two. Yeah, we have And then you problem. need to have uh, separate uh, rooms Room. and so. John and I, when we travelled to, to stay in Helene's house in Spain, we stopped off on the way into a place called Toledo. It's amazing. Okay. You ever get the chance to go there? It's just incredible. And an old castle, fortress type of town, all up high wow. on a hill. I feel a song come High on a hill with a lonely <laughs> go. No, it wasn't. But it's literally, it's a fairy castle place. And um, we had this wonderful view of all this. And the dogs were allowed in the room. They got little beds to oh, sit on. Oh, lovely. And some food and snacks. And it was about 37 degrees. And I put <gasps> the air con on really high. Yeah, that's a little <laughs> was, bit hot for me, I have wonderful. to say. Anyway, the dogs dogs loved it and we then got to Helene's house but a doggy hotel is just perfect because people like myself and as many other people like Helene we don't really like to leave our dogs with other people no we don't and it's so hard because my husband and I we would like to see Porto yes just for two days or something and it's so hard with the dogs because I can't leave the dogs in a hotel room yeah for even two or three hours because no, it's also too hot most of the time and you can't supervise the dogs and yeah it's nice to know that this facility could come online when you're up and running I um, think you will be so fully booked. I think so. I am sure of it. Not bad. Should we take a little break? We will take a break, and when we come back, we will talk a little bit more uh, about how you will run your And I have a question shelter. I wanted to ask about merchandising. Merchandising. Yeah, because it's something you thought about. So we'll come back to that Definitely. question in a minute. Bye-bye. Ciao. Welcome back. We have the bells chiming at Nazare because we're outside today with the lovely Natalia Gray. I'm Ashley. And I'm Eliane. Hello, I'm Natalia. Anyway, thank you for all the break. We discussed a few things. I'd like to go back to how you're going to basically fund the um, charity and what you're going to do to make maintain it. I love the idea how you uh, will run your uh, yeah, organization. So we go from there. We'll go from there. And also we'll talk about merchandise and all that sort of thing. So a few things to talk about, Natalia. Absolutely, I'd love to. Um, so I think one of the things that has been an advantage to me in the process of setting this up is that I actually, my job is I, I work in business. So I'm quite familiar with... Um, the importance of having different channels of income. So one of the things that I want to do with this shelter is um, in addition to running it like a, a charity organization, I also want to keep quite a business mind about me. So we are going to have, similar to like we discussed earlier about the uh, the hotel, we'll also have other streams of revenue. So we're going to do things like um, have uh, transport for dog adoptions, because this is one of the areas that is lacking is paid transport from here to Holland or Germany well, or have the your UK. Own yes, so we're gonna Yay. have that. Oh Natalia, <laughs> amazing. That's a revelation. We heard it you heard it first everybody from Nazareth podcast with Natalia Gray. <laughs> Fabulous. Sorry, we got too excited. No, Sorry. please do get excited. It is really exciting because first of all it would allow us to be able to transport our animals for a mm. cheaper cost and also to provide um, low cost transport for other shelters who have the opportunity for international adoption. So that's quite exciting and we will also 
have lots and lots of volunteers, but we'll also have a few members of actual staff who are there who are, you know, trained, reliable, and have a lot of expertise in the fields of animal So just welfare. mention that last bit, because I'm going to go back to the revenue again. Mm -hmm. But training people and volunteers, so I like to say, well, obviously people are going to be in, uh, inducted, I like to say induced, <laughs> <laughs> like a baby. Because So obviously they're going to have to go through an induction course, because sometimes if you turn up at a shelter, and from my experience and Helene's experience, you're kind of, oh my goodness, what do I do, what do I do? And you might end up going in the wrong kennel or cage with the dog, and you might get bitten, or they might pull you over. So how would you combat all those um, areas of problems? What would you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is actually a topic that me and Helene have spoken about um, quite extensively, which has been really, really useful, is um, one of the ways that I'd like to treat this, I suppose, is similar to a business. So when you show up for your first day of work, you're not just chucked in at the deep end. There is a, an induction process. There's a, a bringing up to speed process. So what we've thought about doing is we're going to have a, a t-shirt colour scheme. Marvelous. So on the first day that you arrive, you'll have, we haven't decided what colours, but say you get a blue t-shirt. A rainbow one for me, please. Absolutely, Ashley. You can have any colour you'd like. Um, <laughs> and so what we'll do is, for example, on your first day, uh, you might be in the puppy room playing with the puppies and socialising them and something that's relatively easy, self-explanatory mm -hmm. um, whilst you get to know the shelter, get to understand the protocols, the rules, the regulations, all of these types of things. And then once you've come for a certain number of times, then you're ready to graduate to the next colour as it were. As you get a little graduation outfit to wear, that'd be exciting. Yeah, so what you do is you get, you get, you're going to get like another coloured t-shirt. So for example, say level two is yellow. Then once you have your yellow t-shirt, that might mean that, okay, well now you're able to go in with the, the young dogs wow. and you can take them for walks or you can help them with basic training, teaching them how to sit, whatever it might be. And so there be a system uh, whereby over time you were able to advance through this chain. And you get your diploma. And you get your diploma, of And course. you get a nice hat to go with it. And what is anything and about a, a certificate, speech, right? A certificate <laughs> and a big speech. That would be fab with a glass of champagne. Of course. Sounds fab. Champagne at the dog shelter, yeah. of course. Sounds fabulous. <laughs> Not while they're working, after work. Obviously. After work. But yeah, so I think this will just be a way that, first of all, it's uh, it's better for the functionality of the shelter, it's better for the animals, um, and it's also better for the people because I think there's always a sense of security you get when you know of what course. your job is, um, you know who to ask, uh, you know, questions or direction or advice yeah. from. So that that's basically the concept. And it makes you feel secure as the um, head of the organisation and your team on your mm -hmm. board that the people you're taking on board are going through a process very well vetted, very well orchestrated and controlled. Yes. And then they don't move on to the next step until you're totally satisfied that they've Absolutely. met that criteria. So that sounds a really good idea, doesn't it? Absolutely. And so when you've done all that, and hopefully you're going to get lots of lovely, fabulous um Volunteers from all nationalities, Absolutely. Portuguese, Dutch, English, Swedish, or maybe wherever. even Swedish. Maybe yeah. even Swedish. Our <laughs> Americans, wherever these lovely people are from. And then they'll all be graduated, they'll all pass there and get their diploma, and they'll be happy volunteers and happy dogs. Absolutely. So, talk now, Natalia, I'd like to know a bit more about some of your ideas around merchandising, if that's possible. Absolutely. Um, so again, just from my business background, I understand the importance, um, for me specifically because of the skill set that I have um, to my disposal, is that relying fully on donations sometimes has, obviously, of course, huge advantages, but also disadvantages course, yep. uh, because the consistency it of those... It doesn't always come when you want it. Yeah, exactly. And so looking at other ways that we can um, make 
money to take care of the animals uh, we thought about doing a merchandising as well so we'll have a shop on our website yay yeah. I love shopping <laughs> yay <laughs> I can't wait for this shop fab um, and people you know it'll be our logo and our, our branding design and that's really important talking about the logo because we at Portugal um, Helen and I worked for it seemed like hours trying to get the right logo that fitted where we see our charity and the the direction we're going absolutely it, it is important it's not that to simple is it your own brand no yeah. it's not it's not that simple people think oh it's really simple just pick a logo well it's not you want the logo to say something about the charity you're working for and totally. you're specifically going to be targeting dogs and and maybe cats, cats and maybe other animals eventually but yes absolutely but for us we we are not specifically working just with animals mm -hmm. we're going to be doing Everything that encompasses living in Portugal, it could be, as we've said on our website, children, uh, older adults, adults, um, helping b restore a monument, dog shelters, blah, 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 blah. So we wanted something that said, this is a, a charity that is supporting Portugal. Mm -hmm. So we came up with the logo of a, a swallow, which is one of the national symbols of Portugal. Absolutely. I mean, I absolutely love your logo when you Thank showed you. it to me. Thank I think, you. it, like you said, it really encompasses the concept of your project. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I, I totally agree with you guys on is that when you're creating your logo, it's easy just to think that it's like, oh, it's just a picture that's going to go on something. And actually, a lot of the time, it's the first thing people that see. people are going to see to yeah. get an idea of who are you? What do you stand for? What is your purpose? Mm -hmm. um, so I think the brand recognition is really important. And so we're going to, as you mentioned, you know, try and spread it through this merchandising. So T-shirts with the logo, tote bags with the logo, bracelets with the logo, whatever it might be. Mugs, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that we want to do is we also want to um, sell affordable uh, dog equipment. I'm not sure what the word yeah. would be, but collars, well, collars harnesses. Beds beds, everything like that. So first of all, people have a place they can go for affordable, reliable quality. Um, like a little pet boutique, but uh, affordable yeah, costs. Exactly. And simultaneously, you know that when you make that purchase, the uh, the profit actually goes back to a cause that you care about. Marvellous. And that's, that's really an amazing thing. idea, I, I think. think. That's, I mean, the thing is, Thank you, so you really thought it all through. I mean, I mean, it's quite incredible. I mean, to have First of all, can you believe the age of the She's amazing. She's just literally jumped in her car and drove here with her dog. Of course, she's got a very supportive family, her mum and dad and her uncle, and she has a, a good job here in Portugal. She knows a lot of really good people. And that brings me on to one thing, Natalia, which I'm super excited about, because you're going to hopefully create shelters in the sun, aren't you? Woo! Oh, my God. Hey! Oh, my God. You could be the face of Maureen Gray, <laughs> and I could be the supporting actor in the background. Hi, everyone. <laughs> the superstars hi welcome it's all about that she's hopefully this um documentary will launch you even further on yeah. the road where you want to go and we always say hopefully hopefully fingers crossed I just fingers say crossed you yeah. never know what's in case happen. i said it will i meant hopefully obviously yeah you know things often take a different course and blah 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 yeah. But the plan is to have someone you know, someone you've con someone's contacted you to make yeah. a, a little docu documentary. Tell us about that. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the first thing I'll say to start with is just that I could not have done anything that I've done without the amazing support of everybody who, the second they heard this, jumped on board to participate. So even though technically it's my project, really it's not. It's a project that has required the collaboration of a lot of people's time, energy, hard work, donations. So I'm really thankful for that. And one of the things that's been quite exciting is to see people that I know coming forward with their different skill sets and mm. saying, you know what, I can contribute in this 
other way that maybe you hadn't even thought of. And that's kind of what happened with the documentary. So I have a, a fabulous friend who I met vaguely through work, but just at a, at a trade show event. Um, and he's just fantastic and he makes documentaries. And he was talking to me one day about this project and said, you know what? There needs to be a documentary on this. I mean, absolutely. But Look, it's an amazing story to, to follow you. Thank you. To follow your dreams yep. from the beginning to the to, end. To the conclusion. And then obviously come back in a couple of years' time and do a follow-up. And, exactly. and then that would be amazing because I mean obviously, you know, it's you're a wonderful, kind human being and got a lot you. of enthusiasm and love for life and animals and people <laughs> around you. So it's not you know, you're just that one of those rare individuals that seems to have captivated it all into a very young age, which is amazing. Thank you. It's <laughs> really a nice lot of you. people of your age are often not, not really thinking like this. It's quite, it is quite a treat to me, someone like yourself. And I think, and without being too gushy, obviously we're ever so slightly in love with Tatar. Ever so slightly in love with you guys too. No, so but Portugal will support Natalia. Of course we will. And on that's this journey. A, this of is a huge thing for Portugal to be collaborating and being involved with you and to do from the very start at the very beginning and to watch you develop and grow and to have your family supporting and being around must be a wonderful and the most important thing for me is to know that this is all about your grandmother's dream that yeah. you're just pulling it along with you and making it into something even more special for you which is wonderful well one of the things that i did to try to ensure that it would be it would be really the the dream and the vision of my grandmother was because I'm always aware that, you know, everybody has ego. And of course, in my own mind, I would never, you know, impose my own ideas and my own thoughts on anything. But of course, those things can happen. So one of the things that was really important to me was to make sure that any idea that's put forward, any project that's put forward, would be something that my grandma would have supported and been passionate about herself. So unfortunately, she's not here to see this herself, but her two daughters and her son were. So I actually went to them and said, would you be on our board and would you act specifically with the mindset of my gran and say, you know what, this is an idea she would really love or, you know what, actually, we're not so sure about that one. So you one. got someone giving you some ground rules and yeah. saying, no, uh, not that one, not that one. Maybe, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think that um, the second you stop listening to other people and you stop taking on people's advice as a gift is the day you should stop doing any project. And I think yeah. you very cleverly mentioned egos and I think if you come into the business that we're all in with a big ego you're in the wrong business because you just yeah this is about, a giving industry it's not yeah. about us it's always about whatever you're supporting of Definitely. course there's a secondary game we all like to feel we've done something that is wonderful to help and yeah. see and it gives you a nice warm feeling inside of course that would be you know, none of us would sit here and say that doesn't happen. No, but definitely. it's not about asking, look at us, that'd be fabulous. It's about the end result. Yeah. And to leave a legacy for, you know, the future, really. Yeah, definitely. So. Well, I always like to look at the people around me and, you know, who do you who do you find yourself gravitating towards? Who do you find inspiring? And then look at why is it? What is the common thread between those people that you're actually, you know, admiring from them? And one of the ones that I found was that the people that I always thought, wow, you're such an amazing volunteer were the people that every time remembered it was about the dogs. Mm. They remembered it was about the animals. And stayed positive when it was pouring with rain and it was really cold. Yeah, definitely. And they still picked up poo. They still came in. They yeah. still came in on time. They didn't try and leave early. I just think it's amazing, so the will of people. I feel you've answered a lot of our questions. And have you got any more, Helene? I've, yes, I'm just I think to we will take a, a short break. And when we come back, we will also... 
Well, this will be, uh, we will send this podcast in January, January yeah. and you so will start podcast. your building maybe in April. Perfect. Wow. And then when it's started, we maybe, if we're ever we will come back to you. Permitted, we can again. come and do a little photograph. And, uh, I would of love that. We but we will come back soon and we will discuss a little bit okay, more of so Natalia's other projects. Yeah, so ciao for me. Bye bye. Welcome back. I'm Ashley. I'm Elia. And I'm Natalia. And today we're talking with Natalia. It's been an amazing opportunity to talk to you, Natalia. Thank you. Both myself and Helene. I can speak for Helene. I obviously often do. <laughs> and on this occasion, we'd both like to thank you for coming today. Oh, the bells! We've obviously been talking for quite a while. It must be over an hour. Anyway, we're coming to the end of this podcast. It's a long podcast because there's a lot to get in. And I know the listeners are going to really hopefully enjoy it as much as we've enjoyed it. So there's a few things just to conclude about, I want to ask a few more questions and then uh, Helene's got a few things and we'll wrap this up. So Fab. what other projects have you got in mind apart from the dog shelter and all that, if you could, don't mind answering? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in addition to my, my passion for animal welfare, um, I'm also very, um, I suppose again, it's a gift of the way that I've been fortunate enough to be raised that in our family, if you have enough, if you have a roof over your head, and you have food in your belly, then you have an obligation to try to give back to other people um, as well in their struggles and their difficulties in life. And as a result of that, everybody can be risen together. So um, it's a great philosophy. Thank you. <laughs> we stole it. So. <laughs> we stole it from you my might, parents. You might have borrowed it from someone. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I do. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so one of the other projects that I'm involved in um, was actually the fantastic idea of a friend of mine who happened to be the lady who sold me my house. Um, she's just a fabulous woman and um, and she's very comfortable with me sharing this. Uh, she has a 10-year-old son that has non-verbal autism and um, she began to talk to me about some of the struggles uh, that she faced, uh, especially being an independent woman with two children, one of which has a learning uh, disability and keeping a career going at the same time and just having enough time to, you know, take care of herself um, and, you know, spend quality time with her other child as well. And one of the issues that she said was a really big one for her was the fact that the after-school pro programs in a lot of schools, especially near where we live, um, unfortunately don't have the facilities and the staff to also take uh, children with learning difficulties because or, of the or amount. different needs. Yeah, exactly. Um, just because of the additional hands-on care mm -hmm. um, and attention that they require. And sometimes if you're working with someone with autism or mm -hmm. someone with learning dis disabilities, in my experience, they often have very complex needs. Yes. That something could easily trigger a, a situation that could escalate and mm -hmm. come out of con control where it could quite easily be dealt with and contained. And Absolutely. that's what you're talking about, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. So... 
I can totally understand from the point of view of after school programs that it's like unless you have specifically staying uh, trained staff and enough of them it is actually the correct thing to do to oh, say cool. no. Yeah. Um, but that then means that the uh, the weight of that is then on the parent. And so to be picking your child up when they finish school makes it incredibly difficult to also provide for that family. So she had just the most amazing idea, which was to set up an after-school program and also perhaps a summer camp program wow. um, for children who have learning difficulties, um, surrounded a lot on autism, but of all needs. Um, and. I think in all honesty, I think the only thing she needed was for somebody to just say, this is a fabulous idea. And of course, obviously being Portuguese, she knows the right places to go, mm-hmm. the right people to contact, and obviously can speak the language. This is something at Portugal, and obviously yourself, you know, we're not um, bilingual. Yeah, I, we're I don't, not know, fluent, I don't think yeah. you're of us bilingual no. yet. And Helena is obviously bilingual, Swedish and English, <laughs> but not <laughs> Portuguese. So um, I just think for us, that's an area that, we have a passion too at Portugal. We want to Amazing. obviously look at what you're doing there and find some contacts so we could collaborate, 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 <laughs> and work towards. Sorry. You look well, like you, you talk like a Swedish person. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> I must be around her too long. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's kind of amazing to co- collaborate with you and to work towards Thank another you. goal because that is something that has Helen and I have talked about. Well, we just don't know where to go to find that. And now this contact through meeting you has fallen in our lap. So that's something we'd like to pursue in the near future. Absolutely. So if you could tell me a bit more, any more passions you've got about that sort of thing yeah absolutely I mean I'm really passionate in a lot of areas and for me I just believe if there is any way that I can help and I have the capacity to do that then I'm going to do it and that sounds like some grandiose selfless statement but it is like you said earlier I get so much from it. I really, yeah. really do. You yeah, know? and it's a good. It's good for your self-esteem. It's mm-hmm. good for your. You know, if you're raising money, you know, none of us have got a limited pot of money. But if you're able to raise money, and you have great contacts and ways of raising money. Yeah. And you know, that's a really great gift. And you know, Portugal, we're trying hard to raise money as well, as you know, and people that follow us will know. And it's not easy. You know, don't want to keep no. asking. And, and we need to make a big, a big, 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 big. But before we do that, I just want. It's not easy to keep asking people for money. But yes, a big, 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 hold on, do it together. We have a big, 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 big thank, thank you, you to the, um, the Gray family. Yeah. Um, I think it was 10 members of your family yeah. decided to give us some money so we can support the causes that are good to us at the moment. And that is primarily to help um, the children that Alden Sedrevo are supporting. Have a fabulous Christmas. So a big, huge, enormous thank you to your family. And your grandmother would definitely be smiling. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. And now we've got a motorbike just to conclude that, like a firework going off. How amazing. Well, thank you. That's wonderful. No, you're more than welcome. I mean, I think for us, especially after having such a crazy year like this year, absolutely. for us, Christmas, the biggest gift we can have is if we're able to safely get together as a family. And we're all alive. Yeah, exactly. And so other than that, we really don't even care about gifts this year. We no. really, really don't. So thank you guys for giving us a an opportunity to do something else with the money we would have spent. We just need to tell people out there that we are recording this in November. Yes. In the middle of November. Middle of November. Ah, yeah. I just want to say... I mean, and I we will send it in January. January. <laughs> I just want to say a special thank you to your younger 
sibling, your brother, which I won't mention his name because it's not for me to talk about mm-hmm. their family. But I just want to say a really big thank you to him personally because it's a huge thing Christmas when you're a kid. Yeah. And he's, I'm going to cry now. Oh. He selfishly gave some money. Yeah. And that's amazing. I was fairly touched. I'm going to cry too. I'm, I'm going to cry too. Now. Um, We're all crying. I'll have, honestly, I'm such a boss. start just silly. I'm, I'm, no, when I cry, my hands flap. I look like a seal. my no, but honestly, I can't. I mean, that is just so wonderful, isn't it? What a wonderful child. And that just goes to show how talented your parents are in raising her children, their children. Thank you. I Both really appreciate father that. Father and mother. Yeah. <laughs> and we will for sure support Natalia in this lovely, lovely upcoming yeah. uh, dog charity organization sanctuary i have to say i've reduced helene to a blubbering mess she's crying yeah of course you started oh, oh my god okay <laughs> well it's just been amazing opportunity so um, is there any more questions or should we conclude now i think we can con- conclude now and we will come back with you natalia Thank when you. you are really a follow-up when you're just about to start your big project yeah so that's in Thank april you. so we've got a Please mention the name again of the organisation. No problem. So it's the Maureen Gray Foundation. You heard it here. Maureen Gray Foundation. We're all going to set together. The Maureen Gray Foundation. <laughs> and Portugal supports that foundation and her the wonderful work her granddaughter's doing in thank making you. her dream come true. So thank you for coming today, Natalia. Thank you and so I much. And I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and you spend it with your family. Thank and, you. Um, you can't lo- say Christmas I can't because we're in November. Yeah, we but we are, we, well, we are in Denver, but it must be out in January. So I will edit this. Uh, oh, well. oh no, stop it now! No. I think it's okay because we're in January. But... I will edit this. Okay. Anyway. Well, I think, thank you. Thank you. No, no, no problem. And we would say a very, very big thank you to Natalia. <laughs> thank you, Natalia, for coming. Ciao. No, not ciao. Not ciao. Oh, you're going to do us now, aren't we? Sorry. Yes, we do it. We'd now. like to say, please follow us on Portugal.com. Email Email us at portugal at gmail.com. Look at us on portugal.insta. Please follow us on Facebook, which is Portugal. Portugal.fb. Portugal.fb, obviously, Facebook. And don't forget to go to the website, which is portugal.com. And thank you and out. No. No, not out. No. <laughs> what else got to say then? Because. Without you... Oh, because without you, we would just be Ashley... And Hilliam. But with you, we, we are, are Portugal. Ciao. Bye. Ciao.
Then I make you climax Facts is there It's only for you I care But when I'm out there Other girls I stare But you different Just like the one I vision Now let me show you boo For you I always come through